right now you can see our next guest on FT Live back with us, Gabrielle Starr, who covers the Red Sox for the Boston Herald. Gabrielle, great to see you. And are you shocked that the Yankees and the Red Sox actually made friends for a night? I'm not sure if it's so much friends. And thanks for having me back, guys. Uh, <laughs> as much as it is a mutually beneficial ceasefire, I guess, um, you know, they, they're each getting something out of this and, uh, you know, it's, it doesn't happen often. I think it's the seventh trade in the last 50 years between the two teams. Uh, but it helps the Red Sox kind of solidify their younger, more club controlled outfield helps them add pitching, which they desperately need at multiple levels of their organization. And, uh, well, the Yankees are apparently stockpiling outfielders if the Soto thing comes to fruition. So I want to get right into um, Verdugo's situation with the Red Sox because Yankee fans are interested in this as well. What did you observe? What did you hear? You know, we saw and heard from some of it with Alex Cora, but you know the lateness, um, how bad did it get there? And should... The Yankees be concerned because there's other parts of Alex Verdugo where people are like he plays with fire. He says, tells it like it is, which the media always loves. So what, what did you get out of the total package of him as a player and a person? I think the interesting thing about Verdugo is that, yeah, he does bring that fire, but it's never been consistent. Uh, you know, he'll have these flashes of incredible play, you know, walking off multiple games in the first 30 of the season this year. He had that three consecutive leadoff homer stretch, which was a something no Red Sox player had done before. But overall, the consistency that the Red Sox were hoping for with him never materialized. And what was consistent was that he would get benched. He got benched last year for not hustling. He got benched this year for not hustling. He got benched for the lateness thing. Uh, and I am not alone in saying that I've never seen Alex Cora so furious. He said it was one of the worst days of his time in the organization. And, you know, it's not the kind of energy that Red Sox fans like. I know a lot of fans really liked Verdugo, but they also take issue with those kinds of incidents happening uh, because that's not the kind of energy that they want representing the team. And it was very clear that the Red Sox were not interested in, interested in extending him. They did not talk to him about extensions. And with Jaron Duran coming up, Sedan Rafaela coming up, the signing of Masataka Yoshida last winter, there was really no need to come to that kind of agreement. So I think the interesting thing this year is this is Verdugo's last year of club control. He would like to get a multi-year deal somewhere, as all players would. Uh, so he has something to prove. But he also told the Red Sox last spring training that he was going to prove he had earned a long-term deal here. And by June, he was already being benched for not hustling. So I'm not sure you know, how much follow through there will be. Um, and it's also a concern for prospective teams because as talented as he can be, uh, you know, if he's not consistent now, what motivation will he have to be consistent when he does get paid if he gets one of these big deals? 
are they going to miss his presence on the field? Because all we're talking about right now is off the field stuff, which honestly, unless you know, you're a diehard fan, which there's a lot in Fenway, you, these are all comments from Alex Cora. This, if Alex Cora doesn't say any of these things, these are all off field in clubhouse things that could be taken care of. Are they going to miss him on the field? Because we haven't mentioned the fact that he's like a pretty much, you know, average OPS plus league average OPS plus hitter in the last few years. You know, I think that they'll miss him at times. He was definitely a great defender in right field. And everybody knows that Fenway's outfield is a tricky dimension place. But I think that, you know, things that are technically off field, yes, they do have that on field impact um, and wondering whether or not he's gonna be late or, you know, be hustling and then be benched and be unavailable. That does feed into the the on-field stuff for the, for the other guys. I think that the young core that they have now, which includes several outfielders, is potentially a, a healthier energy for the collective team. Um, Verdugo could be really fun and definitely tell it like it is. And he definitely played with a lot of passion at times, but I think that they also have a lot of players who play with that passion uh, now who can do the job and, you know, with potentially fewer side effects. Okay. So kind of to go off what Kratz just said, like we're, we're not even talking about him really as a player that much. It's more of like, so, so we, Mentioned this earlier, I did, and I used the wrong word. I said it's more of a dump by the Red Sox. But is this Alex Cora kind of getting his way and to Craig Breslow and saying, I don't want this guy around? Was it that contentious in there with Alex Cora and the benchings and the not showing up late? And and also, what's the Red Sox big move? They're, the Red Sox have to make a big move, right, to, to appease the fan base, to make the fans come back, do something, spend some money. So – was this a dump by them to gain some money to make that big move? I really don't think so. I mean, he was going to get a significant raise in arbitration this year, his final year of arbitration. But I think it's more that they knew they could get something in return for him. Uh, and because they don't technically need him in the outfield because of all of these younger players, they figured it would be a mutually beneficial thing to – trade him they added three pitchers i cannot remember the last time a red sox trade netted three pitchers uh and you know he'll probably hit well at yankee stadium uh there will be less friction for sure um there were definitely times that his relationship with alex cora was quite tense um there have been suggestions that cora did really want him to be traded uh i think this is just a healthier all around situation uh and yes the red sox do need to make a splash they really need fans to come back there was actually ironically a red sox yankee series in mid-september where you could get a seat in the bleachers for a dollar plus fees those are 19 early 1970s bleacher prices right there so the red sox know that fans are not intrigued but they're focusing on pitching as their top priority primarily starting rotation and that is what will make the big splash. And when this team has good pitching 
everyone's seeing what they can do. They go to the postseason when they have good starting pitching. And when they don't, they finish last three times in four seasons. So that is what's going to be, you know, potentially the big move. And Breslow, as a former pitcher and former VP of pitching for the Cubs, is the guy to find those pitchers. And Andrew Bailey will be the guy to make sure that they're healthy and effective this season, which is something the Red Sox have lacked for a long time. Will Sox fans lose their mind if Verdugo goes to San Diego in a Yankees trade for Soto? Will they just forever hate on Craig Breslow, even though it is Alex Cora's move? Will they forever hate on the fact that he brought Juan Soto to the Yankees? You know, I think the thing with Soto is, as you guys mentioned before, the defense is not ideal. So the Yankees are as talented as Soto is at the plate. The Yankees are continuing their trend of trying to slug their way to the postseason. Uh, And Soto is a Scott Boris client. So the likelihood of him going to free agency and not accepting an extension this year from the Yankees is quite high, uh, especially because he could become one of these first $500 million contract players, presuming that Otani becomes the first in the coming days. So I think, yes, some Red Sox fans would say, you know, oh, this is what brought Soto. This is, you know, this sucks, whatever. But I think that Red Sox fans will be, should be more focused on, you know, who the Red Sox are adding, you know, potentially Yamamoto, or one of the other free agent starters, probably two. They could definitely use, you know, more than one free agent signing. They have the financial flexibility to do that uh, or to make a huge trade. Um, And that should be the focus because no matter what happens with Verdugo, he's gone. He's not coming back. So if the Yankees bundle him in this trade, fine. Red Sox fans should focus on the future they shouldn't look back there's too much of that already man no i want i want fire from yanks i want fire from red sox fans they are pissed off i want them to be pissed if they get soto because of verdugo they should well they they can look at craig breslow what they're doing what what are the red sox doing that's what i want to double down on so so gabrielle the ownership group in their first 18 years running the team were top five in payroll they've been out of the top five the last three seasons this past season they were not even in the top 10, obviously, in terms of revenue. We know that they're in the top 10, and it seems like they're going to kind of refocus on spending a little more because, yes, breaking news, not everyone can be the race as other teams and ownership groups continue to eventually get educated on. So my question is on the three layers here, ownership, decision makers in front office besides them, which would be you know Breslow, Cora, and Fan Pulse. When that all combines here, how do you see this offseason playing out right now? I know you mentioned, yeah, they'll go after hopefully multiple big pitchers. I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like they're going to land Yamamoto with the Giants, the Yankees, the Mets, and others that are going to, I think, give stupid money and outspend the Red Sox. So, you know, after that, maybe Jordan Montgomery. But, like, what what is an offseason that appeases everyone in this scenario? Because I even think, like, Montgomery is not enough. Like, it, there needs to be multiple signings here for them to be contenders in one of the best divisions in baseball, right? Definitely. And I mean, 
let's get this out of the way right now. All of this is stupid money, right? I mean, I love mm-hmm. baseball. We all do. That's why we're here. But at the end of the day, when you're talking about potential half a billion dollar contracts for a game, you know, it's all stupid money. Nobody needs $500 million. I do. I do. <laughs> I mean, we all do. But the point is, like, how, how, are take you, how are you really going to spend $500 million? Um, Give it to know, me. I'll show and, you. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the Red Sox, the funny thing with them is that for a long time, as you mentioned, they were a team that was giving out these kind of crazy contracts. You know, they gave out the contracts to Adrian Gonzalez and Carl Crawford, Pablo Sandoval, David Price. David Price's contract at the time, I believe, was the richest pitching contract in MLB history. It was like 200 and something, 17, 15 million dollars over seven years. And, you know, they have shied away from that, though, of course, they did pay Rafael Devers last year uh they kind of had to at that point um but they did it they got it done uh and you know they they did spend in 2022 they were over the luxury tax they paid the luxury tax at the end of last season uh they finished last they had a ton of injuries that team should have been better than it was but they have spent i'm not saying that they've spent well but they have spent. I mean, it's, it's not been that long since they were multiple years over the luxury tax consecutively. And that is one thing that they have going for them right now that teams like the Yankees and the Padres don't is they have no luxury tax penalties. So they can offer giant contracts to to players and they don't have a lot of long-term financial commitments at the moment. They, they have very few, actually. The Yankees have several. Um, and, you know, they've got a good farm which they didn't have for a long time. So really this offseason, they are able to fire on all cylinders. The question is just how aggressive are they going to be? And you didn't see a lot of aggressiveness from High and Bloom. You've already seen aggressiveness from the Red Sox in getting Andrew Bailey. The Yankees were interested in him and interviewed him for their bench coach role, which would have been a promotion of sorts. And they traded Verdugo pretty quickly. And they actually got three pitchers for it for him. Uh, so, so far, the theme has been more aggressive than we've seen basically since the Mookie Betts trade. And the only thing aggressive about that was how much the Red Sox wanted to unload David Price's contract. So, you know, they need to they need to spend. They told us on the last day of the season or the day after the last day of the season that they're not going to reveal whether they plan on exceeding the luxury tax because it will give away their strategy for the off season. (laughs) But, you know, in my personal opinion, if you want butts in the seats, you need to give people a reason to want to watch the Red Sox. And there have not been many reasons to watch the Red Sox over the last, over three of the last four years. Um, And you, to do that, you need marquee players and, you know, Jordan Montgomery, you talk about the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry. If the Red Sox signed Jordan Montgomery, who the Yankees probably never should have traded in the first place, uh, that'll also, you know, be kind of a little rivalry boost. But they need they need marquee players. And right now, you know, they have a young core, but young core doesn't always translate right away to marquee players. So they need to just, they need to go out and spend that stupid money, basically. Well, finally, I mean, they're not a, they're not a small market. We're not talking about the they're Rays, one the of the richest ownership groups in baseball. They, of course they own Liverpool. Smart. They own oh the Pittsburgh God. Penguins. I think they're doing okay money wise. 
it just doesn't make sense. What is their strategy? Because you're mentioning, uh, again, no offense to the guys they're bringing in and trading and these young kids and, and all these moves they're making. But I, I still go back to when I was still playing. The Red Sox were like, oh, we're going to go get Manny. Oh, we're going to go get Johnny Damon. Oh, we're going to get Pedro. Oh, we're going to get Kurt Schilling. Oh, we're going to go get this guy. Oh, we got this guy. Oh, and then the Yankees were like, oh, well, you got him? Well, we're going to go get him. Oh, we're going to get him. Right? So it was always – now it seems like the Yankees are still trying to do that, and I get the luxury tax and all that stuff that, you know, everyone – oh, they're under the luxury tax. What do you fucking do, dawg? The Red Sox have plenty of money. But when are we going to see – I guess Yamamoto would be the move, right? The huge, like, wow, they finally did it move. But it doesn't seem like they're operating like that. Heimblum did everything they asked him to do. Trade to Mookie Betts was his first priority and David. He did it. Build up the farm system. He did it. Guess what he got? He got a pink slip out the door. Hmm. And now they brought in Craig Breslow. And there was rumors that people didn't want this job. So what is the strategy in Boston? I don't understand because Henry has, in that whole Fenway sports ownership group they have lebron james in it right i mean they have all the money in the world it just doesn't seem like the only thing that got to him last year was when the remember people weren't buying tickets to the red sox anymore they were oh no there's empty seats and like you said there was dollar seats in the outfield maybe that was the only way to get them to wake up and say we need to spend well it's funny you mention that because it is it is notable that alex cora was pretty shocked, at least talking to us right after they fired Chaim. And they fired Chaim either the day after or during, it was during the series when Fred Lynn, former Red Sox star outfielder, was at Fenway and tweeted about the fact that the tickets were cheaper than they were when he played in the early 1970s. And Cora did not seem like he was expecting Chaim to be fired, you know, maybe at the end of the season, but not, you know, the week of September 13th. And I think it, I think it was a wake up call that you go from the Red Sox and Yankees setting a wild card record for average ticket price in 2021 to, Oh, you can watch these teams duke it out to see who's going to finish fourth and who's going to finish fifth in the AL East. And it only will cost you a dollar plus fees. That I was is, at those games. I did those games, but I did one of those games for Fox. There was nobody yeah. at the game. There was nobody I mean, at fairness, the game. The Thanks, weather was also yeah, terrible. it was in Boston. There was nobody there. <laughs> yeah, because those fans are used to seeing competitive ball, and those teams were out of it. That was September, no? Yeah. Yeah, they were not in the playoff race. Still. Well, they yeah, were the in auto sell-off that week. That was the week that they dipped under the winning record for the last time. Um, that was like the nail in the coffin was that four-game series. But – Yes. I mean, the Red Sox used to be aggressive. And the reason for that was, you know, first it's reverse the curse, right? We got to do something that hasn't been done in 86 years. And they spent, you know, a few years really building towards that. And then it was, okay, we need to prove that we're not a one and done, like that it's not another 86 years. So you keep going 2007, 2013, I think was, you know, pretty unexpected. I mean, it was incredible, but it was, you know, it's the random veteran free agents kind of thing with Victorino and Napoli and Gomes. And it's, you know, that was great, but I don't think anyone predicted that. I, a lot of people didn't predict them getting past the Tigers in the postseason. Uh, and 2018 was, you know, Dombrowski did what Dombrowski does, what he's been doing for the Phillies. He spent, he got, you know, every time they got booted out of the postseason in 16, 17, he went out and he added and he kept spending until he got that winner. So, you know, 
that used to be the clear priority. Not every year. Uh, it's not like the Yankees who've had 30 plus consecutive winning seasons, but you know, they go from first to worst, worst to first, but they have more championships this century than any other franchise. So as crazy as it is, you know, something works in the, even though it doesn't necessarily work. The question now is, you know, is the focus still on winning? They claim it is, they call it the North star. They say it's still, you know, the priority. I think anyone watching them the last few years would easily say it's not. Um, They've also had some terrible luck, you know, with Chris Sale, other pitching injuries. And yeah, Chaim Bloom was a scapegoat in a lot of ways. You know, he was set up to be disliked from the jump by being the guy who had to slash payroll and, you know, rebuild the farm system. And he did the latter. Actually, he did both. He just did it in a way that was historically shocking with the Mookie Betts trade. And that basically meant that forever he will be the guy. He's Harry Frazee of the 21st century. He's the guy that sent away the generational talent. And that's really a hard, you know, hole to climb out of. But the Red Sox team that Craig Breslow inherited from Chaim Bloom is a team with all the financial flexibility in the world and, according to Baseball America, a top 10 farm system. So he's in a position to, if they are really serious about spending money and winning again, he's in the position to do that. He's in the position to make insane trades. He's in the position to spend money on a guy like Yamamoto. And it's just a question of how much do the Red Sox want it? And this is the offseason that's going to tell us if they want it at all. Um, and I think it's I think it's crucial because, you know, last the last two years, they've had the worst home attendance of the current ownership. Uh, and that says a lot because Red Sox fans usually turn out for even the worst of times. And even they weren't showing up this year. All right. So have you seen Craig Breslow this week? Has he done press conference? I'm, uh, yeah. Has he, does he have a quarter zip on? That's all I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the uh, the executive uniform, right? Everyone has yeah, exactly. I said some next year's half zip. At next year's meetings, I'm going to be in the lobby selling quarter zips, and I'll sell out. I'll just have one of every team and every GM that walk. I'll be at the front door, and every time they walk in, I'll be like, "Here, twenty dollars," and I'll all buy them as they walk in. Because every interview, every manager has Brock wore. I think they should all wear those sweaters that Brock Holt wore for the draft lottery last night because those are way cooler. <laughs> I don't know if I saw that. I didn't see. Brock was the. I guess it was the like some kind of fair aisle, black and white. Like I don't know. It was just like a bold print. It was definitely. We gotta look it up. Sip. Yeah, we gotta look. I mean, Brock's one of ours, <laughs> so we'll, we will definitely check it out. Gabrielle, great to have you on. Um, look forward to uh, maybe talking again when the Red Sox do some things. You know, like a casual Jordan Montgomery, Seth Lugo, and Yamamoto, Giolito <laughs> for the rotation. You know, call Hater. Just get after it. Hopefully, I know Red Sox fans bitching for a while now so Gabrielle great to have you on appreciate it thanks for having me guys